Welcome to the Marketing Millennials, the No BS Marketing Podcast. I'm Daniel Murray, and join me for unfiltered conversations with the brains behind marketing's coolest companies. The one request I tell our guests, stories or it didn't happen. Get ready to turn the f*** up. When you have a customer that feels like a friend, they're not just buying your product. They are shouting about it. They are telling people about it. They are becoming a salesperson for your business, an ambassador. I think every brand needs to figure out how to tell an authentic story. It doesn't need to be the midday square story, but how do you tell an authentic story to you? And how do you tell it in a way where you're adding value from an emotional standpoint to an individual? Because when someone's on social media on their phone, they're looking for entertainment or added value to their life. They're not looking for promotion and selling products. Blackrow is the performance marketing tool whose job is to make e-commerce marketers better at their jobs. It's a pretty sweet predictive model that uses your Shopify data to automatically make all your digital marketing channels more efficient, targeting and retargeting shoppers most likely to buy. Visit blackcrow.ai slash Daniel to get 30-day free trial and $1,000 credit for your first monthly contract. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Marketing Millennials podcast. I have someone who just came straight from the Toronto Stock Exchange to this podcast, Jake Carls, founder of Midday Squares. Welcome to the pod, Jake. Oh, Daniel, fired up. I'm, I'm actually excited about this talk, you know, and for many reasons. Uh, we really believe in storytelling, and I think that's the future of marketing. So, I'm excited to get deep into what I've experienced over the last decade and how it's changed so much and yet how storytelling as a whole actually has been the only constant thing that has remained for businesses or relationship building is storytelling is at the forefront. So pumped to be here. Thanks for having me. And yeah, I did do this. I I rang the bell this morning at the Toronto Stock Exchange. So it was kind of fun. You know, I was yelling, screaming, sweating. It looked like I was on a treadmill, to be honest with you. That's how that's how hyped I was. Speaking of stories, let's go into the quick story of Midday Squares, how to get founded, and then we'll go into the storytelling aspect of So my sister, my brother-in-law, and I are partners, so it's a family business, but we didn't go into business because we're family. We actually see a therapist uh, once a week to deal with that aspect, the three of us together. But um, the idea was my sister was making this snack, um, this chocolate bar, healthier chocolate bar, for three years before we launched Midday Squares, and she was making it as a hobby snack because she was into all these clean ingredients, plant-based lifestyle at the time. And she made this better for you chocolate bar for her husband, my brother-in-law, to get him through the afternoons because he he was always craving chocolate and have the sweets, like the high sugar stuff, and he would crash. So she made him this snack that was clean and he, he started eating it every day for like two, three years. And um, yeah, she was in fashion, he was in software, and I was throwing parties around college campuses across Canada. And um, you know, fast forward three years, we received a report from a large conglomerate that showed that dark chocolate and vegan proteins were really growing fast year over year. So all we did was we make a baby of those two things. We make a dark chocolate bar indulgence put together with clean ingredients and plant-based ingredients. And that was the product market fit that we had this data that kind of showed that this was going to work. So we took that literally hobby snack and we came together and we launched Midday Squares. And the idea was can we disrupt the way that people view a chocolate bar? Can it be now, instead of viewed as a candy or a confection bar, can we view it as a 
functional chocolate bar, meaning that you eat a 2 p.m. snack that actually gets you through the afternoon, but you also satisfy all your cravings and your indulgence cravings. Things cravings. So that was midday squares. We launched in our condo kitchen. We handmade bars for from 5 a.m. to 5 p.m. every day until we moved into a small kitchen. And then we outgrew that. And we actually had to build a fully automated chocolate factory. Um, when everyone told us it was impossible to build, we ended up building it here in Montreal, Canada. And uh, yeah, five years later, we're, you know, we're one of the top selling SKUs in our category in the refrigerated snacking set. And we built our brand with storytelling as the forefront of the company, meaning we document everything and share it very full transparency, full, full vulnerability. And that's allowed us to to win in a very saturated market. And I'm, I know we'll get into it later, but that's the story of what was created and, and how. First of all, I love the story of three people with totally different experiences coming together and your family, which is kind of, I know that doesn't, the part, that's not the part that actually counts in this situation because you have to go to therapists for that. But I feel like if I had, I probably would have to do the same thing if I went to the business with some my brothers. But going into the storytelling aspect, how did you figure out like this was the move for Midday Squares to start rapidly and storytelling in a way that is unique to the world? Yeah. So Daniel, it was interesting. In 2018, when we launched this company, end of 2018, I saw, I was looking at all the TV ratings of like TV shows and like seeing that like all, all these reality shows were killing it. You know, Shark Tank was on a tear. And I was just like, what do people really like about these shows? Is it that they like that it's about a business or they like the actual like like story component, the emotionality. And when I when I looked at all the data, I was seeing that people love drama, scandals, behind the scenes. They love everything you don't really see in, in or that we all live every day, but you don't really get to see it. So I said to my partners, if we want to win in the consumer packaged goods, food and beverage category, there's 40,000 products on a typical supermarket shelf. There's no way we're going to win with just having a good product. So I said to them, I said, we need to be crazy good storytellers, meaning when you go to the store, you're already a fan of Midday Squares. That means you're going to go search for the product and it's going to shine bright like a diamond in 40,000 other products on the shelf. We didn't have the money to buy up shelf space. So we had one spot out of 40,000 and we needed to get you to become a super fan or a fan before even buying the product. So that's what I did was I pitched them this idea of let's take social media as the vehicle. At the time it was Instagram and let's turn it into like a vehicle for a reality show on building this business. So showing the good, the bad, the ugly of how Midday Squares is going to be built from zero to failure or zero to success. And what that meant was showing things like therapy sessions, breakdowns, milestones, moments of complete chaos, almost moments of when we're on the verge of bankruptcy and how we get out of it. So showing this aspirational, very real lens into the company was a way to play on the emotionality of how human nature works. So we basically became this underdog and this idea of these hustlers or the American dream or whatever you want to call it, the Canadian dream of just working really hard, showing you really ugly things that you don't see often and making you feel like a friend of the brand rather than a customer. And it worked. And we started getting 100 views, 200 views, 10,000 views, 20,000. Anyways, kept going up. And the more we did that, the more we felt that we were becoming friends with our customers because they knew us. We weren't celebrities. We're not celebrities. We're average people. But when you show real things behind the scenes that people are scared to show, typically you start to create momentum and boldness and this personality. And I feel like our marketing 
evokes an emotion in the consumer. We talk about our midday squares 5 to 10% of the time. 90 to 95% of the time is storylines regarding what goes on behind the scenes of the business. And it's usually dramatic in terms of what happened or it's it's something that's really amazing and here's what we're feeling. So again, that was the strategy and we've stayed true to it since day one and we hope to continue to invest tremendous amounts of money into storytelling because when you have a customer that feels like a friend, they're not just buying your product. They are shouting about it. They are telling people about it. They are becoming a salesperson for your business, an ambassador. I think every brand needs to figure out how to tell an authentic story. It doesn't need to be the midday square story, but how do you tell an authentic story to you and how do you tell it in a way where you're adding value from an emotional standpoint to an individual? Because when someone's on social media on their phone, they're looking for entertainment or added value to their life. They're not looking for promotion and selling products. They don't care. They'll block you or delete you or unfollow because it's in their power now, not like it was 15 years ago when they didn't have the power. I think what's cool about that is what you did, most brands wouldn't do. So most people are not going to show, like I just saw the video of you all talking about recalling some of your product because there was like traces of nuts that weren't really traces of nuts. But a normal brand would be like, find the PR spin on that. But you're just going out there and telling the story authentically, saying why it happened. So the customer builds trust with you. Like, I'm going to tell you that this happened. I'm sorry it happened. I mean, it it wasn't necessarily our fault, but this is how the world works. And we're just going to be transparent with you you all. And I think that works so well with the customer with customers is telling something up front so they trust you like you got to admit your flaws up front to be able to build trust a lot of people are not willing to admit those flaws up front dude accountability and authenticity is the future currency of marketing and the reason being is because today humans more than ever want to be attached they want the transparency they want the vulnerability they want to feel part of or feel aware of the situation and for us you know, we post that video and it got like 80,000 views on Instagram. Organic views is all organic. It's not paid. Or 80 organic on Instagram, 100 on TikTok, 100,000 TikTok, 120 on LinkedIn, 120,000. So overall, around 400,000 organic views for this video. But 400,000 views when you have a video that's like that, that's that penetrating, you're not building a 5% fandom on it. You're actually building up to 50% fandom. So you're really gaining like a, a 200,000 person interest and attention which is crazy since we're selling a consumable product. It's for everyone. It's a healthier chocolate bar. So in the end, it leads to more sales. It leads to more fandom. It leads to more opportunities. And I think for us, one thing that we try to do is, yes, we get in trouble a lot of the time, by the way. We do get in trouble. But the authenticity is what builds, like you said, that trust and also builds a friendship with our customers where our customers know us. They trust us. They want to support, help, whatever they could do. When you raise prices in a company, which most people have to do over the last year and a half for businesses because of the crazy supply chain costs and all the things going on, if you just swept it under the rug and just did it, consumers get mad. But for us, we shared a video of why we're raising 27% prices. And if we don't do it, we'll go bankrupt. And we shared it in a very informational but entertaining way. And the customer appreciated it. 90% of the comments were, I want to buy more now. I love that you guys are real. You're transparent. You're sharing the authenticity because most people are fearful of authenticity because they're even scared to be themselves. And for me, I believe marketing comes down to 
when you are yourself, you are your best version. So with your, if you're within an organization, you're a CMO, you're working in marketing, whatever you are, or you're starting your own business, your superpower, what makes you great is you being you, not you being the herd or you following the herd. Most marketing companies or companies that you know are, are in the industries, they literally follow the same path that everyone else does and no one cares. And by the way, when you see something that's the same as everyone else, you just move past it. What makes you different is your authenticity. Now embrace it. Yes, it could get you into trouble sometimes, but at the end of the day, no outlier output is bad. If you're an outlier on the high or the outlier on the low, as long as you learn from the low, then it's always a W, it's always a high. That's how we live our lives. That's how our marketing team embraces the culture. And um, we're not perfect, by the way. We're, we're, not, we're not the greatest marketers, but I think that we've become good storytellers, which builds fandom. And I also think what's great about what you're doing is you're, you're not taking inspiration from the category. You're taking inspiration from media and stuff that's outside the category and just bringing it to a fresh new thing to the category. And that's what great marketing is, is taking two complete obsolete ideas and putting it together. You know that social works was a marketing vehicle, but you also know media and these TV shows work as an entertainment vehicle and you put it together as a new idea for the CPG category, which there's a very few CPG companies that are doing this very well. But isn't that crazy, Daniel? Like these are products that you consume daily. You know, whether you put it in your body, like you eat it or drink it, or you put it cosmetics, you put it on, you know, your face and stuff like that. These are intimate products. Why would brands not create that emotionality? But the, the, yet the entertainment industry, the artist world, the musicians, the TV world has been doing it for decades and they've built massive fans. They fill stadiums up with people that are diehards. So yet we go to a grocery store every week. But why would the brands not have that same emotionality where you feel cool to be part of it? You feel like this is part of your life, your lifestyle. And that's what we really said. We said that this business will take us a lot longer to build. It won't be as sexy in terms of, hey, we're going to grow at 500% year over year and be the biggest, biggest. But over time, our story will resonate and build deep relationships that in 10, 20 years, Midday Squares will still be around. It won't be out of business or you know taken in and, and, and disappeared. It will be a business that, hey, I love this company. They're cool. They're fun. They're different. And they're authentic. And that's the legacy we want. And look, we're not the biggest company, but we're, we're growing every year. And you know people are resonating more and more in multiple countries. And um, yeah, like we spend a 12th or a 15th of the budget of our competitors on marketing. Now, we would love to go amp that marketing spend up. But at the end of the day, we invest in the creator internally, the editor, the videographer, and our entire story as the marketing thing, not, hey, let's spend on any, on pushing sales. We don't do that. Micro AI makes you better at customer acquisition, full stop. Connect it to your Shopify stack and watch their predictive models supercharge the performance of your digital channel. Take Meta, for example. Black Crow predicts target audiences that are most likely to buy, driving the right users to your site from your Meta ads, then helps you retarget customers past seven days with true first-party, privacy-friendly tracking. Visit blackcrow.ai slash Daniel to get a 30-day free trial and a $1,000 credit for your first monthly contract. I want to go into the process of when you were positioning 
the story? Like, what was like the pre-process of looking at the category, looking at other chocolate bars, looking at the CPG as a whole and being like, okay, this is how we want to tell our story. What was that chat like before you started launching all these cool campaigns and uh, not yeah. campaigns, but just stories, stories. Uh, yeah. For those listening, you know, everyone goes grocery shopping. It's not the most fun experience. And we have some great partners in the space that are doing a lot better, a lot of cool things in the next you know couple of years on their grocery experience. But we were just like, Hey, how do we stand out when we don't have the money to spend on real estate and getting the shelf space? We couldn't afford it. So we needed, to, especially we're in the refrigerator, there's very limited space. So we said to ourselves, the only way we could do it is to bring people to want to find the product and look for it and love the brand. And the only way to do that was to tell the story. And the way that we told the story originally was just pure raw. It was like, take your iPhone out. We had iPhones, take it out, film yourself and then post. And that was it. It was just extremely raw. Then one of our first hires was a videographer. I think the first one was a food scientist. Then it was a videographer. And the reason being was because I could no longer be in a, an argument with my partners, my sister and brother-in-law, and then say, oh, wait, hold on a second. Let me pull up the camera. It would create a really awkward dynamic. So what I did is said, we need someone just capturing nonstop, 24-7. And we could then piece stories together of what's happening. Because when you're in a startup, there's a lot of drama. There's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of things that people don't ever see. And I just said to my team, I was like, guys, we have the content. So we have these mini stories. Let's just share them with the customer, whether it's good or bad. This will create that sense of part of the community feel where people are actually on this journey on the roller coaster with us. So then we started to get, you know, an editor as well so that, that we had a capture and then an editor who would edit the content, tell the story, and then it would keep going. And we didn't optimize for views. We optimized for how the content made us feel when we watched the content we created. Did it make us have an emotion or not? That was what the question was. And if it didn't, we wouldn't post it. And most of the time when it had an emotion in there, it ended up going somewhere, some sort of virality, whether it's 100,000 organic views up to 20 million organic views. So the process was simple. And today the process is a little different, you know, because we're not at the startup level. Now we're, in the, we're entering the medium phase of a business and then hopefully scaling to large phase. Now it's less drama. It's how do we capture stories that are meaningful? And we kind of look for moments. So a moment that happens, do we have a huge milestone that's coming up or do we have a huge problem with the, like the potential recall? How do we frame that story? We do do a lot of editing and script writing, but it's still the authentic thing that happens. And the beauty about Midday Squares is the B-roll we have. And this is why I recommend anyone that's on this call, no matter what business you're in, get your phone out and start documenting and putting it in a Google Drive. I don't care what it is. It could be the most boring thing. It could be a Zoom call. It could be a moment when you know, you're traveling for work. The reason being is you never know when you're going to need that piece of content, that real piece of content. For us, we have 36 terabytes of content from day one of Midday Squares. We can create a documentary down the line, right? One terabyte is a Netflix series. So that's our process. We have the B-roll. We're still organizing through it. It takes a lot of time to organize and money. But once you have that B-roll organized, you could then create great content that's that's talking about an experience. You have the moment. That's my process. That's our sorry, that's our process in midday squares. And we don't release content every day. It's too hard right now. We don't have a big enough team. But eventually, we want to release every like two days these kind of like mini, mini behind the scenes or mini moments of the business because we know that people want, they're craving to see that kind of stuff. They don't want to see, hey, our chocolate bar is the best chocolate bar. They don't give a fuck. They don't care. It doesn't relate to their lifestyle. It doesn't add value to their lifestyle. They'll do that when they're at the store. So that's the process, man. 
I, I mean, I absolutely love it. I think one for just pure content play that you can have content for decades of that. And second of all, I think what's really cool about it is that you didn't invest in paid media first. You didn't invest in all this stuff first. You said, okay, I believe in content. And also the other point I was going to make, because I just remembered it, is that we're in an era where people don't trust faceless brands. The brands maybe that were alive 20 years ago that have like nostalgia are still alive. Um, like, oh, you ate that as a kid. Yep. But all the brands that are coming up that are new, <laughs> like it's so hard to compete against nostalgia, against what kids ate as a kid and what parents are talking about. The way to win is show faces, show stories, show who you are, show what's behind the product, show who's making the product, show all that stuff that you're talking about. And I think that's why we're in this era of like creators winning, people not trusting institutions. And what you said before, which I really love, is that like food is something that is intimate. You put it in your body. If you're going to have clean ingredients, you have to trust the people who are making those clean ingredients for you. It could, they could put, be putting anything if they don't show what they're doing. So it's a great thing you guys are doing. And I think like more brands should start investing in this type of marketing. It's, it's a no-brainer. And it's not easy, by the way. Actually, I always say it's easier, it's easier to be yourself every day than to be somebody else. So that's number one, easier. But it's not easy to capture and then tell the story. So it takes time. And nothing's going to happen overnight. We still have videos that don't hit any virality, but we keep them up because we love how they make people, the, the people that do watch it, they like how it makes them feel. It makes it, us feel, you know, some sort of emotion, but humanization is the future. People want connectivity, um, you know, in a world full of digitalness and and the Zoom calls and all this jazz, any type of like realness um, stands through any type of, it, it breaks that attention barrier. And, and in marketing, that's all you're trying to do is grab attention, earn the attention. It's a privilege today to grab attention and then have the ability to have their ears and eyes to hopefully get them part of your community, sign them up for the business that you're doing or sell your product. So I think that, yeah, storytelling is something that people should study. It's been around for as long as we've been human. Every business has a story. Every business has a why, a vision. You just need to find your authenticity in that story and then tell that every day. Every day, be proud to tell that story. And don't focus on views. Focus on are you making more depth with your customer base? Or are you actually building a relationship with them? Because that will go a lot further down the line. It's more of a long game rather than a short game. I also think what's cool is the story you told me about your brother-in-law had was having crashes in the middle of the day, needed a snack, but also that your the name connects to that that moment in time. Also that you're owning a part of the day of someone's life. Like you're not saying you're a morning chocolate bar. You're not saying you're like no. right before noon. You're just saying like, hey, everybody goes through that 2 p.m., 3 p.m. slump when their energy starts crashing. They're craving something. They want something tasty but healthy. We're owning that piece of the day. That's who we are. We're not trying to own any other part of the day. We're just focused and niche to that part of the day for you, for, for the consumer. And by the way, we become the known group that does that, right? So you, the trust builds. And then again, that's part of marketing too. You know, there's a company called Five Hour Energy and I, their product's like an energy drink or something. But the truth about that product is they crush it because it's very simple. You know, it's five hours of energy. They're telling you what the use case is. They're, they're making it an easier decision making in your head. So for us, we wanted people to have it midday because that's how we built this company originally was it was 
It's a midday snack. It's a square format. So it's as simple as that is what you're getting. Everyone has 2 p.m. cravings for something. So we want it to be that brand that solves that problem and gets you through the afternoon. It makes the marketing a lot easier given the fact that we don't talk about the product in our marketing. So this helps when people say, oh, midday squares. Oh, it must be something midday, right? So that's a big thing too. It's like, because we don't promote our bars all the time and tell you what it is, we want you to kind of understand it when you hear it and like something along to do with the afternoon, right? And we're just bullish on that. Uh, you know, we're bullish on brands saying what it is right away. So you said you came from startup. Now you're kind of a middle phase. What do you think the marketing tactics you're going to do to get you to that large phase? I know you're going to keep doing the storytelling, but like what are those other kind of pieces that you're going to add on to make sure you you scale to that larger, larger phase of company? So it's a great question. We had a therapy session, the three of us, with a, with a it's, we call it therapy. It's like a business coach as well. So we had a therapy session regarding what's the future of the marketing of the company because the startup story, you can't tell it every single minute once you're a little bit larger than the startup story. We're still close to startup. We still have that mindset. But um, now we got to figure out what the next step is to get the mainstream more focused into the brand. So we're actually working through that now on deep dives and stuff. Um, but one thing that we are doing really, really well that's working is we're playing the game of the ground game and the digital game, meaning the three of us are characters as founders, and we each have different skill sets. So what we do is we actually get a lot of speaking gigs to go out and speak to crowds, whether it's 20 people up to 1,000 people at a time. And we we build storytelling and case studies around midday squares in the presentation, but we give electric energy. So we treat it as if we're running for the presidency, like an election. And we we, we focus on... How do we get the vote? And if you study politics, not the policies, but the way that they use storytelling to build their bases, we're applying that same same type of theory to CPG, to selling more product and you know, obviously being authentic and telling the truth and not lying. But the idea behind it is simply we're using a ground game to touch people. When you have the hour of their time to listen, it's the most powerful thing ever. And then we're supplementing that with crazy moments that are still mainstream, like the recall is not startup. It's like, this is how we dealt with the problem. And here's how we solved it. So when you have those two things going, plus a lot of influencers that we're working with now to put our story out there, you're actually scaling that marketing. So if you were to come back to me in a year from now, I would have a more clear answer on what the next phase is to continue that marketing. But for now, it's ground game mixed with a digital and then now paid influencers to help get the message across to their communities. What are the key elements of a good story? What are the parts that make up a good story? It's got to add value. And I mean, this is like, you got to love it. And what I mean by that is if you love it, someone else out there is going to love it. And, and the way we use our storytelling is, does it evoke an emotion or not is the big question. How do you feel after watching this? Is it is it is it relevant? Does it even matter? Um, does it make you feel something? If it doesn't, the story doesn't go up no matter how much time we worked on it. And that's pretty much worked really well for us. And and then again, having the B-roll allows for your story to get better when you tell the story in terms of the scripture and stuff like that. You have moments that show real things. Real things are what people want to see. They don't want to see inflated, fake, redoing, reenacting stuff. It's, it's just not hot. So I think that that's the key is have B-roll. Um, ask yourself when you watch the content, truthfully, from a non-biased standpoint, from a consumer standpoint, does it make you feel anything? And if it doesn't, do not post the content for the sake of posting content, even if you have schedules and all that jazz. Post things that make people feel something. Create content that is deep. Storytelling 
is great as it is, but in the world where you're overloaded with information and content, you need to stand out. Your story has to be somewhat different or great or relate to a human component that, that is relatable. Otherwise, you're fucked. You're part of that information overload, which is billions of pieces of content weekly. Billions. I love the statement about the content calendar because so many people are just trying to fill up a content calendar where the goal is produce the best content for your audience. Yep. How could you add value to their day? If it's not adding value to their day, where it's either educational, entertaining, inspiring, something that adds something to their day, don't do That's why when people say add value to me, like value to me is what you said is adding value to someone's day. It's not what you think is value. It's just something, whether entertainment is value, like if you made someone smile, that's value. That's, that, it doesn't have to be always an educational piece. It doesn't have to always be this. It just has to add something little to someone. Dude, thing. little things make the biggest difference. Little value creates momentum and momentum is the strongest force in human nature. So if it's in a positive way, you're moving and grooving and that's where virality kicks in. These small little emotions hit and then the next person wants it. And then it's like, I always say, when you see something that you like or care about, sometimes you share it to your close friends. You're like, hey, do you see this? Or, hey, I want to show you this. Or your, your, your wife, your, your husband, whatever it is, you know, family. And that's what we try to focus on is what would someone want to tell someone else? And again, keeping it authentic because authenticity alone stands out because you feel the energy. When someone's real, you feel it. When someone's acting fake, you feel that too. And you don't want to be part of that. It's like a friend who acts different in every group of friends that they go to. You start to say, what the hell's wrong with you? Um, you want distance from that. But if that person's acting real, you just feel more attracted to it. It's a magnetic pull. Last question I have for you is what is a marketing hill you would die on? I like LinkedIn, marketing on LinkedIn. I would die on that hill. I really am bullish about LinkedIn and um, storytelling on that. Again, this is the complex part of the hill is that you have a corporate culture on there. How do you bring in more humanization that relates? But once you get the hang of it, that hill is one of the most powerful hills because of the type of people that are on that platform and for the reasons they're on it. I would die on that hill too. I love LinkedIn. It's my one of my favorite platforms. And then lastly, where could people find Midday Squares? What are you doing, your stories, all those cool things? So for sure, like I know we talk about storytelling. Follow Midday Squares on TikTok, on Instagram, on LinkedIn. We post a lot of cool content, different content on, on most of the platforms. But if you want to follow me, Jay Carls on LinkedIn or on Instagram, Jay Carls. But the idea is I'm always happy to engage. If you want to message me on LinkedIn about marketing, I'm happy to talk. I, I love connecting with new people, whether you're in marketing or not. And then last but not least, if you want to buy the product and try it, um, the chocolate bar, which we didn't talk about <laughs> today, but it's in the refrigerated section of stores. So Target, Whole Foods, Sprouts, uh, many other retailers. Just check www.middaysquares.com. The store locator will show you where it is. But also on our website, we sell on D2C. So that's pretty much everything about um, my last five years of my life. I love it. I, and everybody go, seriously, go follow Midday Squares. They're putting out a unique, cool way of doing marketing. And I love brands that are doing creative stuff. Also, their product is great. So that the, mac, the mixture of great product and great storytelling makes everything better. So thank you so much for coming on the, the podcast. And I know you need to go nap now. So I'm going to let you go nap because you've had a, a rough couple hours couple of days, man. Damn, I, I'm, been, I'm, I'm burning the candle right now, but I appreciate you having, that. I appreciate you having me and, and letting me talk about Midday Squares and The Voice. But uh, keep doing what you're doing and everyone listening, keep being epic. Thanks so much for listening. 
Tune in next week to hear more great insights from marketing's coolest operators. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the Marketing Millennials podcast and giving it a five-star rating. It helps bring more marketers into our community.